Hello, my name is Deborah Hamilton, and welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This podcast seeks to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view and disciplines. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of this podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations so that every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to your joining us on this journey toward a better understanding of similar and divergent points of view. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening first. I'm so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's get started. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and thank you again for coming to Why Do Pets Matter? Today, I am so happy to be here with Dr. Megan Burns. She's a veterinarian who now helps people, well, helps corporations, describe products in a way that clients can understand them. Today's podcast is going to cover three topics. One, how to be a solopreneur with pets. The other is how to have self-care when you have pets. And then, of course, just what I said, translating the science of veterinary medicine into user-friendly language. So without further ado, Megan, welcome so much to Why Do Pets Matter? Deborah, well, thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast. And um, yeah, why do, pet, why do pets matter? As you said, I'm a veterinarian, um, but for me, honestly, um, also as a solo entrepreneur, pets are really, I, I would say, the stewards of your um, physical, mental, and spiritual well-being, honestly. Um, you know, for me, you know, it's easy working at home to be kind of all consumed with what's going on, but I have a I have a, a loving being that I have the privilege of of sharing my life with, and and she needs you know regular attention, and um, I need to take the breaks too. So it's a great a great exercise for me, um, you know, to have opportunities for self care and opportunities to get outside in the in the world and interact with other people and make sure that she's getting you know the exercise and and um, fresh air that she needs as well. So I love that because as a solopreneur myself being able to take a break and building those into your day creates self-care for yourself, but also creates that influence of why pets matter. So for you, your pet matters because she gets you up and out and she's really right there by you every time you're home. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love sharing every day with her. I mean, I, I tell her that, you know, she's my sunshine and my Christmas every day. And she honestly is. Um, you know, there's times when, you know, you're having a bad day or maybe, you know, certain things aren't going um, the way you expected. And, you know, you can't you can't stay unhappy when you have this sweet face gazing up at you going, all right, you know, it's, it's time for a walk. So, um, yeah, you just, you can't, you can't really wallow in, in anything for, for any period of time. So. And so when you're doing self-care uh, as a solopreneur, most of it revolves around um, your pet. And, and let's ask you, what is the name of your pet and what is your pet? Is it a cat? Is it a dog? 
Um, she's a dog. She's a cockapoo. Um, so she's 50% um, uh, cocker spaniel, 50% miniature poodle, and as I like to say, 100% personality. Um, her name is Lucille. So um, she is, she is, um, like I said, my sunshine and Christmas every day. So wow, don't I love that name, Lucille? What a perfect name! It just has so much character. Yes, thank you. I love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit more about why do pets matter? Because you're a veterinarian mm -hmm. and you practice veterinary medicine for a while, but then you transition. Tell us a little bit about the beginning and the middle and now where you are. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I, I got into veterinary medicine because I wanted to help pets. I grew up with um, golden retrievers, which as we now have, have multiple issues um, and just felt like I wanted to, to give back to the profession. And, um, you know, I honestly, when I, f I found my first corporate position, I found my passion for marketing and wanted to help influence the products that are out there and help, um, you know, help companies translate the science behind the products and, and help consumers and veterinarians to, um, you know, help them to choose the right products, not only for their practice, but for their own pets. So, um, and, you know, Marketing is a lot of education, and so that's that's the piece that I've been involved in as of late. I have to tell you, it's really interesting when people talk about the um, the language behind the science because a number of things that are on the market now, probably some that you're involved with, people don't really understand them uh, on a common language scale. And I think that's what you bring to the table. You help veterinarians take the time um, to learn how to explain these things to their clients. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it's veterinarians have a lot going on in their day. So um, as much as, you know, I can be a resource to companies and then secondarily veterinarians, that's, that's what I love to do. So tell us a little bit about who you work for, if you can, um, or what kind of products that you've worked on the language so that we as, as um, pet owners and why pets matter to us uh, know better why we should use certain products. Certainly. So yeah, I work with any of the large um, pharmaceutical food or device manufacturers, um, you know, um, I'm helping them um, oftentimes um, you know, like the, say, for example, a marketing team may not understand all of the science behind a product. So I'm kind of uh, a conduit between the research that's coming out of R&D and helping marketing assimilate that science um, seamlessly into the marketing story so that there's, you know, the concrete data-driven evidence that a veterinarian needs to see, plus there's... Um, you know, that same evidence written in a very different fashion for the pet owner so that they understand why this is the right product for their pet. And, you know, that is part of the solo entrepreneur story for veterinarians as well. They need people who are going to help them communicate with their clients really, really well uh, and then have their clients ask questions that they can answer so as solopreneurs, the veterinarians are able to really use your uh, language skills and your marketing skills to better educate their pet owning clients while also being able to uh, create a self-care um, uh, 
attitude because they're not having to speak plain language to their clients on um, different medications that might benefit their uh, client's animal um, or different shampoos or different food. Rather, that's been done for them. So not only are you helping a solopreneur, a veterinarian, um, have a better quality of life, you're likely giving them the ability for self-care because they don't have to um, wear so many hats. Right. And that's that's definitely an issue in veterinary practice today for veterinarians, you know, just wearing multiple hats and, and feeling like they have to do everything. So if there's, um, you know, assets that can be brought to the table, either on my behalf or on the behalf of others, um, you know, to help them navigate their day and to help, you know, explain, explain things to a pet owner and a pet owner that may be, you know, afraid to ask um, certain questions. And so, you know, helping them to facilitate um, the interaction, um, you know, is something I very, very much enjoy doing. So let's take a step back. You're a solopreneur. You're helping um, large corporations in the pet service space uh, speak to veterinarians in a way that will help the veterinarians share that product with pet owners. How did you decide to do that? You were a veterinarian you likely were talking to your clients one-on-one. -on -one. What gave you the impetus to say, you know, I think I can do um, better in, a, in growing a practice that will help my colleagues, the veterinarians, uh, navigate this language skill that I've acquired um, so that the corporations who are creating these incredible products can be more user-friendly to the clients? Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely acquired over time. It wasn't something... Um you know, that, that is really taught, I don't think, in, in veterinary school. At least it wasn't in my experience. Um, so it's something I acquired over time. It didn't happen right out the gate. Um, you know, it was something as I, I got into the corporate side of the business, I, I developed my interest in marketing and, and really found my voice as a writer and, um, you know, as somebody that wanted to be involved, um, not only in the in the content that was generated, but also in the strategy and how, how all of that is integrated. So it's, it, to me, it's a fascinating process and, and that's kind of how I fell in love with it. Awesome. Because I think that if you love something and you're doing it on your own, uh, being able to do it in a way that creates ease for others, but also gets you out into the public space makes what you do as a solopreneur so much more fulfilling. Absolutely. And I've, you know, been very grateful for a lot of the, the relationships that I've developed in industry because of what I do and, and um, you know, adjunct, um, adjunct colleagues as well. Um, getting out, being, you know, active in the industry, being at conferences, networking events, I think is something, you know, as a solo, solo entrepreneur is extremely helpful. Um, you know, having that, um, you know, that those outlets, the, the, the human interaction, but also the capacity for mentorship or, you know, meeting other solo entrepreneurs and having, you know, hey, have you dealt with this, you know, having the conversations about, hey, have you dealt with this before? How did you handle it? Um, you know, those have been a lot of the enriching components. I mean, other than the work I do, just the enriching components of having the relationship with colleagues and 
and also, you know, local entrepreneurs to where I am based out of Kansas City right now. So, um, you know, all of that has just been extremely fulfilling. So you spoke a little bit about golden retrievers in your prior life. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about why they matter to you, because it seems to me they may have been the impetus for you to go to vet school because of all the health issues that sometimes come up with um, Labrador retrievers and golden retrievers because there are so many of them. So their health issues are multiplied because there are so many of them. So tell us a little bit about the ones in your life um, and likely were the ones that created the Why Do Pets Matter in Megan's life from the beginning. Absolutely. So um, my dad um, found out about a litter of golden retrievers from a colleague at work um, when I was in fourth grade. Um, and later on in life, um, you know, kind of, she kind of had some of the typical, you know, derm, derm issues with chronic ear infections and some other stuff, but later on in life developed hip dysplasia. So um, that was, um, she was the reason I, I wanted to go to vet school. Um, the second um, and third golden we had both unfortunately developed cancer, which is also, um, you know, very prevalent in, in that breed. Um, so, you know, you know, a lot of kind of what I've done on, on, the, on the marketing side has been with, you know, dermatology products, orthopedic products, and I'm, you know, very focused on something of personal passion of mine is, is senior care issues, which includes cancer and just aging pets and kind of, you know, as as medicine improves, uh, the pet population gets older as well. So how do you handle, um, you know, some of the, the changes, um, you know, neurologically and otherwise in, in your pet? And how do you, you know, help them to have the best life, even as they age? Mm -hmm. And that's so important for both us and them, because as we grow older, uh, we have some issues as well. And because our pets get us up and out, uh, the self-care that we provide um, for them uh, sometimes also benefits us, even though we may have to take Advil or something like that to keep up. Right. Absolutely. So you deal with the Advil for the dogs, not literally, but figuratively. Correct. Uh, and, and we deal with what we need to do to get up and out to take care of them. Uh, I wanted to ask, because it, it was really important to me, you, you and I spoke about before, how when we are solo entrepreneurs and we do go out and see clients, leaving our beloved pets at home sometimes creates a little bit of um, a difficult feeling for us. I, I don't want to call it guilt, but that's usually what it is because here we are, we are solo entrepreneurs. Um, our pets might be home with family members or alone, but they really are our pets. And so when we're not there, it really does affect them. Right. Um, and I definitely, especially when she was um, very young and I had to leave for a, a trip with a client, um, I felt a lot of guilt and fear around, you know, leaving her alone, um, even though she had, you know, people there on a very regular basis. And I still do have, you know, it's getting better, but the, I think I, I joke with people, I think I have more separation anxiety than she does. Um, but I definitely do feel, um, guilty when I'm gone and when I'm gone for a certain period of time or, you know, even if I, I, I know I need to take her out and I have to, I have to finish a project and usually, you know, I, I 
say, hey, you know, mommy needs to do this for another hour and then we're going to go do something fun. So there's, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Mommy's always coming back. Um, you know, it, it's great to have great support people around you, whether that's um, pet sitters, family, or, um, you know, people to come in and let them out while you're gone for extended periods of time. I think that's a lot of, takes away of a lot of the quote unquote mommy guilt. So. Absolutely. And that goes right in perfect segue to what we had discussed about the human-animal bond. It really creates that synergy where they want us around, we want them around. If we're solopreneurs, it sometimes, I have to tell you, just like you, when I have something to do, I'm usually making deals with my dogs. If you lay quietly, like right now during this podcast, if you lay quietly, I'm going to take you out for a walk afterward, afterwards because it, it, it really doesn't help when my dogs bark um, in the background. <sighs> now they're very quiet, so I should be very quiet. Don't say anything. But it really is that human-animal bond. I know they're here. I'm never alone. Um, when I need a hug or I need something, it's as if they read my mind. And if I've been sitting here for hours, and I know, Megan, you and I spoke about that. As solopreneurs, we tend to sit for hours doing mm -hmm. our work, writing our articles, writing our blogs, for me, doing these lovely podcasts. And the dogs really are the ones who get me up and out so that I do practice um, human-animal bond care uh, for the two of us. Absolutely. And I think it's also important, I, I make a, a conscious effort of this, that because um, we are so, um, you know, in tune with our devices and kind of, um, as you said, you know, can spend hours in front of them. When I'm on a walk with Lucille, I make a conscious effort that the phone is in my pocket. It's there if I need it, but I'm not paying attention to it. You know, I, I, I think we all need to be present in, in nature and present with our dogs. Um, and that, you know, sometimes, you know, the, other than on the phone, you and I don't have a lot of human interaction in the day. So I want to be present and, and talk to other pet owners and, you know, kind of be active in my community. And that's part of the way I do that. You know, you're so right, because it is, for me now, my, I, I just moved and I'm in a rental house, which I love, uh, in a neighborhood, which is totally new. And I actually strive to walk my dogs four times have an in and out door, they can go in and out, but I strive to take them for a walk for 15, 20 minutes every day, and I meet people, and I'm listening to the birds, so for us, that, that human-animal bond that makes us get up, get out, take them for a walk because they deserve it, they've been in the house all day, also feeds our soul. Absolutely, yeah, and I think that's, that's tremendously important because, like you said, you can easily get bogged down in what's going on, and at the end of the day, that's that's it needs to be done, but it's not the most, most critical part of your day. It isn't. And my phone is always in my pocket as well, just in case um, I trip and fall or some squirrel uh, gets ahead of me. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure enough and don't see it before Junie sees it. And then, you know, as my mother would say, ass over tea kettle. Uh, but so far I've been as, as astute because I'm not looking at my phone. I, I love the people who walk on the street looking at their phone. I don't know how they do it. Um, walking and chewing gum is a is a feat for me. So I don't know how they do it, but they do. Uh, and you know, for us, we're working in the pet space. We're loving our animals. They matter to us so incredibly. And for you, not only does Lucille matter to you, but it seems to me that by the work you're doing, all animals matter to you because you're trying to translate medical and science information in a way that enables people to better understand why the veterinarian might be suggesting their pet need this. 
Absolutely. I, I could not have said that better myself. Well, expand that a little if you could, because, you know, here you are, this is what you do. You help veterinarians talk about their products. Um, and what, to what end are you hoping um, that your ability to give them the language um, will create um, client compliance? Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think that's a, 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 an area that all veterinarians want to solve um, and, you know, have them be the um, the source of information for their pet owners. I know that's a frustration for um, veterinarians all over the country, um, you know, being able to have them be the resource for all of the information and that information, um, you know, is accurate and helping them to facilitate um, that for me um, is important. And any, any of the products I work on, I either want to use and personally experience and they're thus have the ability to advocate for them um, but, you know, if there's something I don't believe in, I'm not going to write about it or, um, you know, not advocate, I'm not going to advocate for it. So, um, really it's, you know, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I've been given, I've been given the gift of Lucille and, and the other pets that have been, I've, I've had the privilege to share my life with. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's, um, for me, it's the kind of the core of why I do what I do. You know, it's really interesting because you were a veterinarian, you still are a veterinarian. Like I say, mm -hmm. I was a litigator, now I mediate. Um, mm -hmm. So we haven't been disbarred, our license has not been suspended, but we've chosen to take a different path that is really specialized and stylized. In the law, you can't say specialized, you have to say focused. I don't know if you can say that in veterinary medicine, that you are specializing in helping build language around the science so that clients can understand it. And so as a solopreneur, that takes time, it takes a lot of ingenuity, um, and it is such a creative outlet. What did you do when you were in high school? Were you um, uh, an English major? Did you love writing things? Did you keep journals? What was it that made you realize that, you know, I have a knack for this marketing language? Yeah, honestly, I probably was not the best English student in high school. I didn't, I didn't um, really thoroughly enjoy book reports and stuff that you did back in the day. And in, in undergrad, I was very much a science major. So, um, you know, I think it's just kind of gradual, kind of as I age, as I got more experience, I kind of found my voice and, and realized that, that marketing was something that captured, you know, my attention, my passion. And, you know, it's, it, it really, and I joke with people sometimes, you know, my left brain needed a break. So, cause you know, as a science major, you're, you're, you know, always reading, always, you know, um, keeping up to date on things. And, and it, it, I guess it, I guess in, in a way it was my creative outlet, you know, and like, like I said, my right brain needed to step up because the left brain got tired. So. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're just reading medical journals, it really is important um, to understand that there's a process by which veterinarians um, communicate with their clients and some, as you know, are much better at communicating with clients than others. And it's, it's just by virtue of that left brain, right brain thing. Sometimes we're really focused on the medicine and we might not be able to articulate to our clients what we need to for them to understand why we're doing something. And then there are the other vets who can articulate it perfectly. And so you've come into the fray, so to speak, 
to augment the ones who are already doing a great job and to mm -hmm. assist the ones who may not be able to speak in such a common language way. Right. And I think sometimes too, and, and, and we all get trapped in this, it's like, you know, you, you live and breathe this every day. And it's so, why shouldn't it make sense when you explain something to someone the first time? And, you know, I learned this, I had a really great um, professor in undergrad, and I got to watch her um, in office hours, you know, if somebody didn't get something the way 80% of people normally would have understood, she said, okay, well, let's, let's look at it a different way. So, I, I always kind of look back to her as a really great influence for me. It's like, okay, well, you know, well, people learn different ways and you, and you need to kind of be willing to roll with that. And if somebody doesn't understand something the first time, it, they're not wrong. It's just that's, they learn differently. And so you really have to take that into consideration when you're, when you're working with um, pet owners, you know, they, they're there, especially one that's invested in their animal. They're there to learn. They're learn they want to do better for their pet. And so we need to facilitate that for them, even if, you know, maybe they didn't get what we were trying to explain the first time out the gate. You know, it's so interesting you said that because on a prior podcast, Wendy Hauser, Dr. Wendy Hauser, another veterinarian, um, and Gina Fortunato also spoke about how they speak to their clients. And we do have to recognize that people learn differently. Believe me, I learned in such a convoluted way, but I figured it out um, in high school and it actually served me through college and through law school. But it is um, important that you recognize that people learn differently. Don't take offense. I was teaching at CSU, um, Oh, back in the day, probably four or five years ago. And one of the students stood up and as you just said, which was perfect, you know, I tell them three or four times, what am I supposed to do? Stand on my head and whistle Dixie? And <sighs> it, it is about understanding that, you know, if someone's telling you something about Lucille, you're a veterinarian, you might hear half of what they're saying because you love Lucille so very much. I know when people are telling me things, about the care of my pet. Um, I hear some of what they're saying. I'm not sure I hear all of it. And I'd be, I usually have to call my vet again to have her tell me again, because we are so emotional about our pets that you could be clinical as a veterinarian because this is what you do. But when you're the pet owner, that clinical side, I think even for veterinarians may go at least 50% out the window. Right. And, and realizing that and knowing that, and even, you know, after the veterinarian's done with kind of their, you know, I'll call it a dis discharge instructions, um, having maybe a technician or the front desk staff reiterate or re-bring um, um, up certain items just to make sure that the pet owner is comfortable with, you know, um, giving medication if that's what's happening or if there is, a, you know, another recommendation, a dietary change or something of that nature, just to make sure that the pet owner is completely comfortable with, um, you know, what they have to do once they get home. And I think, you know, having the staff, like you said, be prepared that, hey, you know, maybe they weren't really listening to you because they were focused on what Lucia was doing when she brought them back in the room. So um, just, you know, having kind of a little bit kinder spirit about it. You know, the pet owner's not being annoying. They're just trying to do their best for their pet. And if they have to walk through it one more time when they're at home, when they can really focus on what you're saying, you know, that's not the, that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's so interesting because another prior podcast guest, Mary Monjoy, who's a lawyer and a pet owner, 
she went through just what you said. She, and if anyone wants to go back and listen to it, it was phenomenal because here she was, she's the pet owner, she's an attorney, so she, you know, been around the block a few times. However, she has to pill a little dog and it was so hard. And she said the one thing that she learned from a colleague, Wendy Hauser, was that the medication came in liquid form and would have been so much easier to um, have the dog take and follow protocol uh, than a pill. And she mm -hmm. said, uh, I just wish someone had let me know. And she went back to her vet and asked for the liquid. And he says, well, that's $10 more. And I know that veterinarians are conscious about how much they charge people. But if a client really can't do what it is they need to do, and you suggest something that may be more expensive, but easy for them to do, they will be so thankful to you for doing that. Right. I, yeah. I think a lot of times we all make assumptions about, you know, what, what someone needs or, or wants and, you know, have, have not given the other party the opportunity to make that choice. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about compliance and getting the pet owner to do what you're asking them to do. So facilitating that in any way, shape or form. And like in that example, you know, $10 would not have mattered because it would made her life so much easier and it was, you know, less stress for the pet. So win-win um, in that situation and it only costs $10. I know, and, and compliance is key. You know, we have a lot of guilt when we're lawyers and we don't comply. It's just sort of the practice thing. We, we like to comply. Well, some of us do. Um, the other piece that we learned um, from Wendy that a veterinarian can use or a client um, can ask is if you are given something that you're unsure of, um, you can either ask the vet to do it again, ask the vet tech to do it again, call up that night, ask to do it again, or Wendy said she usually asks the client, show me how you would show a caregiver how to give this pill. Mm -hmm. Because that will show the veterinarian whether or not the client is easily able to explain it and do it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times my veterinarian will give them the shot and say, do this when you get home. Well, that's great because I don't care. I shove pills down my dog's throats all the time. But there are people, as you know, um, mm -hmm. who don't necessarily revel in that. And, you know, you can buy liverwurst and sometimes they'll eat it with liverwurst, but I have very detective type dogs who will lick around um, the liverwurst. So uh, they don't eat it out of their food. They don't eat it out of liverwurst. They don't eat it out of hot dogs. You have to shove it down their throat and then they look at you with very mean eyes. And, <laughs> and I'm, uh, But it, it's, it really is um, a key piece to have redundancy in asking someone, and it isn't because you're stupid, it's because, listen, we get it. This is not what you do every day. And so we wanna be here, we wanna let you know we're here to help. Um, and we wanna make sure that you do what you need to do because we want you to feel good about complying. Absolutely, yeah. And having, you know, and increasing that client owner bond you know, in, in that scenario. And, and that was a brilliant way to phrase it too, is you're, you're not putting the pet owner on the spot in terms of, well, you know, did you understand what I just told you to do and showed you once? Um, you know, you're saying, hey, how would, how would you show somebody else to do this? Like, you know, hey, you know, your I noticed your husband's not here. How would you show him to do this just to, you know, in case you're not home at the time of the time the medication needs to be administered, you know, kind of taking them out of the spotlight, but also then and that's the way I learned too. You you need to show me, but then I, I have to, there's a tactile component for me. So that kind of ingrains, um, 
you know, what you're asking me to do with that. I have to be the one to actually do it too. So. And sometimes people are really shy about doing that, about asking, you know, can I do that instead of giving them the shock and you watch me and tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. They're shy about that because they just don't want to make a fool out of themselves. And of course, most veterinarians are very empathetic and realize, you know, giving pills is not our, you know, strong suit, not our magnificence. Uh, mm -hmm. And being able to show them and have them show you different techniques really uh, can serve the pet owner. Um, talk about, you know, being a solopreneur, if, if you're home alone um, and have to pill your dog, you're sort of a solopreneur on pilling and, and, you know, that could be life or death for your pet. So it is really, really important um, to ask questions and, and make sure you have the support you need. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, oftentimes, you know, when you're at home alone um, and your pet behaves differently than when they're in the vet clinic, I know mine is usually scared stiff and behaves completely well, but I can do the same thing at home and she's not going to tolerate it. So, um, you know, keeping that in mind as, as well as is, is just as important. Well, Megan, I am so glad you were here on Why Do Pets Matter? I know we covered three topics today. One was how to be a solopreneur with a pet, how to really take a break, breathe, use the pet as a self-care tool quite frankly, as a solopreneur, so that we can take better care of ourselves by taking better care of our animals. And then we talked about how you brilliantly give language to science that enables veterinarians to really communicate in a common sense way with their clients to understand why they are feeding this food, um, administering this drug, whatever it is, giving this bath, dropping these eye drops, you're really on the cutting edge of helping people take better care or the best care of their pets. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for having me and for creating this podcast. I think it's a really a, a great value to the industry, and and I hope to I hope to chat again with you sometime on the podcast. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> we are going to get you back because there's so much more we want to talk about. So this is Deborah Hamilton with Dr. Megan Burns, and I'm so glad you were here on Why Do Pets Matter? Thank you for listening to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton, and this podcast is my passion. Do you have a great guest or idea for a topic you'd like me to explore? Go to my website and click contact at Hamilton Law and Mediation. That's Hamilton Law, L-A-W, and A-N-D, Mediation, M-E-D-I-A-T-I-O-N.com. Until next week, our pets do matter. This is Deborah Hamilton thanking you for being here. <laughs>